Before we get started today, I just want to take a moment to thank one of the main sponsors of this podcast, Town Square Brewing. From crisp summer lagers to non-alcoholic options, I know the second release of the Nowhere Fast Keller Pilsner we worked on together last year is back in stores now, so be sure to look for that wherever you usually find your craft beers. If your favorite liquor store doesn't have Town Square in their cooler, you should ask them why they don't. 18 plus, of course. Please drink responsibly. Thank you for listening and enjoy the episode. Yeah. I mean, thank you very much for doing this. I'm I'm very, very curious about your whole operation. I've been watching it for a while just on, on Instagram, and I've been pretty intrigued by the fact that you're... I mean, there are so many people locally, like Alberta local, who are doing... Very, very cool things and excelling at their craft, but you just strike me as one of the, like, almost, you know, I hate to equate anyone's success to their followers, but you have, like, a huge following for what you do, and I think that's what what drew me into it, or not drew me into it, but I think that's how I was exposed to it the first time, so I'm, uh, very grateful that you you agreed to do this. It's it's cool that you uh, know or at least are familiar with a few of the past guests. So yeah, yeah. I just wanna wanna thank you and then get into it. If uh, uh as we start, do you wanna introduce yourself a little and maybe uh break down what it is you do? Yeah. Um, so my name is Martinez Poole and with my brother, Adrian, and uh, his wife, Anna, we make furniture, housewares and art uh, using recycled skateboards and a whole bunch of other stuff and things. But yeah, that's sort of the, the two second pitch. I, uh, I mean, it's great to be able to sum it up like that that quickly, but I'm sure we can expand on it. A little bit. What, uh, like, what were you doing prior to this? Like, what got you into actually building furniture? Um, so we we started, um, but like right before we started working with the skateboards, me and Adrian were both working as carpenters, um, and getting our tickets. We're doing mainly commercial carpentry and then doing some residential stuff, but, um, we had and we'd been grew up skating and so there we had boards around and like sort of everyone who starts working with the old skateboards saw uh Hiroshi's work like I'm sure you've seen it like he's the the sculptor the Japanese guy yeah his work is really really impressive so he's sort of like the the godfather of the medium and then we yeah we're working as carpenters and my dad had some very uh like the, the basic woodworking stuff to get us started to sort of on evenings and weekends to just sort of see what we could start doing with our boards. And then from there, we started asking our friends and then working with the shops to collect more. And then it's just sort of went from there. And that was 11 years ago now that we started. So. And I assume the amount of boards, like 
it never can really be enough. Like, did you underestimate the amount of boards you would need for this thing to actually grow in the beginning? I mean, that's definitely a thing that we're very aware of. And like, as soon as I'm done this, I'm actually going to go to the skate shops and pick up the boards because I do that every week because they're, they're really good at saving them for us. But yeah, that we like one of the first coffee tables we made, we made it like solid skateboards and it took like 130 boards and took us six months to make. And like it was at that point that we're like, OK, we need to figure out a different way to make this work. So we started incorporating like other wood. And at that point, it was like uh, Harvard flooring cutoffs that we would get from job sites that we were on and then went from there to getting like leftover boxes from jobs on Kijiji. And and then from there, once we started like developed our style a bit more and had a bit more intent with our design, we we buy actual real lumber now to make all of our furniture and stuff. But then that sort of like filters down into the other products as well with the offcuts and things. So it's a, a like a, we've really refined our process with working with the board so that like why have a use for like every single piece of the board. And like if we have little cutoffs and stuff, I've been I've like saved them for years and then sort of sit and think on them and then figure out like, oh, this is what we'll do with this. So we yeah we have a way that we use the like every section of the board and depending on the condition of the board how we get it we have different ways that we'll cut those up as well to use in the different stuff so it's definitely like the see how we break down the board it, you could probably tell that it's like yeah a, a very refined process now right and now i'm thinking of like what came first the chicken or the egg was it when you guys started, like it was just you know financially the way it had to go that you were reusing all like upcycling all this wood for these things, or did you guys strategically plan to upcycle just based on like environmental causes and and stuff like that, or was it a bit of both? I mean, it's like it was never like the main thing like to be recycling. It was just that we, what we could get our hands on and like this, the, the skateboards were, we had a way to get them. So that just made sense to us. And it's like a totally unique material. Like it's essentially like the best plywood out there that's made. So it, it's a, a really interesting thing for that. And then like with the hardwood flooring, it was just stuff that we could get for free. And like when we're still like learning and figuring out how to do stuff, we're not, we're not going to be mad if we mess up like 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 wood from the lumber yard is really expensive so like you cut up a board and mess it up that's three hundred dollars worth of lumber just done but so it was yeah the, the environmental thing was never like the main intention it was just what we had around and like it just made sense for us to do it this way so i think that i think that and that's also i think a bit of the skateboarding aspect of it of just very like the DIY and you figure out like, okay, this is what I have. This is what I'm going to be able to do with it and go in from there. Right. It, it seems like a happy accident, I think is what they call it. Right. Cause you were using the materials at your disposal and then ended up being, you know, kind of like a win-win. If everyone upcycled everything, the world would probably be in a much better position to combat a lot of the stuff happening right now so 
yeah. even if it wasn't like the original intent, I think it it definitely worked out very well in the end. And it, it like a very unique and individualistic like process along the way as well. Yeah, like it definitely helped us develop our style of like well, we have all this different these different pieces of hardwood and the skateboard. So it's like we need to make the skateboard go further. So we're gonna mix it in with all this other stuff. And like with our like a lot of our early product design, it was like very much that like really mixed wood with the skateboard like accents in it. So it really like helped us develop a style. And then like w starting that way with just like having the material and then figuring out what we can make, we're able to like take all of the like cutoffs from the furniture and stuff. And that gets filtered down so that like, uh, our waste is like really really low because like any block that's like six inches by six inches like i can turn into a bowl like w way down the line after like the rest of that board's in cr a credenza or a table legs or like so it's it really yeah influenced our design approach to our work what percent you know an estimate of the, of the work you do is custom or what is it like what percent of it are people just picking up items in the online shop it's a mix like and it, it fluctuates too like we we definitely have like a uh, like our furniture line that is all built to order that we do offer offer customizations on so um and then we do do full custom uh like work like right now we're doing uh a restaurant of uh, like a bar and a bunch of tables or just tabletops for a restaurant in LA that that's been taking up a lot of the shop space for the last bit. So, but then we'll, we'll also have, um, yeah, like the, the furniture line, but then if people want something custom in our style, we do that too. So it's definitely a mix. And I, I like, I can't, I don't know how to, what percent breakdown it would be. Right. But, uh, but like we're not like we don't do like custom crib boards or of our smaller products like we'll do custom furniture pieces but the we can't do the smaller smaller customizations like we can do like laser engraving of like uh, like uh, just on the small stuff for right. like brands and stuff but yeah we don't do custom custom small work anymore right and uh I mean, you you saying about the bar in Los Angeles, congrats, by the way. Uh, my next question would have actually been uh, if this is spread beyond local, free, like beyond Canada. I was wondering if you had clients like anywhere else in the world, but I guess that answers that question. Yeah. Is, the, is there a lot of stuff spreading that far or is this kind of unique? Yeah, most of the furniture goes to the states right now. Um, we do a, we do a decent amount locally, but yeah, most of it um, definitely goes to the states. Um, and for the smaller products, like they're all over the world. We haven't done furniture internationally because shipping is a whole whole yeah. different thing to figure out. But um, yeah, we and we like we definitely get inquiries to Europe and Australia for furniture all the time. But it's like the shipping quotes that we get back are like over half the price of the piece. So it is, we haven't done too many of those yet, but we'll see. 
Well, I mean, I don't want to want to get in your head at all, but the shipping costs are definitely insane for for everything these days. But also, the fact of like shipping something you handmade, like something so close to you, just putting it in a box and shipping it, no matter how how protected it is in the process, like there is the potential of it going missing. That would drive me insane yeah it's definitely a fear and getting like getting people to receive them too is a whole whole other nightmare too yeah i guess you can just leave that at a door without signature yeah and like a lot of them go to new york and it's like it's on into like a walk-up and the people don't know that they need to like that they're only paying for a curbside delivery and then they have this 150 pound piece of furniture they have to get up or flights of stairs that it's yeah the shipping is definitely a big a big stressor but like we've done enough now that we have it pretty down but there's always it's always stressful until it gets to the people's house yeah yeah i I could only imagine i uh i stress enough shipping like hats and hoodies around just in case one of those ever went missing i would i wouldn't be able to sleep if it was furniture yeah. But again, like I don't wanna wanna get in your <laughs> head about it. That's just what I'm thinking. Have have you guys been fortunate enough to like travel at all with the pieces? Like have you ever flown um, out? I uh last summer or two summers ago. Yeah, I drove out to I drove a one of our credenzas out to Squamish to to a guy who's actually become like one of our best clients now, like ever he Anytime we're, we drop something new, he, he snags one. So it it's always nice when you can, yeah, being able to hand deliver pieces is always the best. Like some of our biggest, uh, like our biggest coffee table, actually we went up to Edmonton and we're able to drop it, like to install it in the people's house. So that's always a really, uh, a nice thing to do so that you don't have to worry about the shipping or any, like making sure that it's all set up properly for them is really nice, but yeah, nothing, nothing too wild. Like we haven't gone to New York or LA with anything, but it's, yeah. I mean, being being in charge of how the bar and the tables look in Los Angeles seems like something you might inevitably have to to go and see in person, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's we're yeah definitely doing some a lot of emailing back and forth right now to make sure all the details are right for getting it all installed and stuff but yeah we'll we'll probably make a trip down to see that one at some point one but like that's we're still in the middle of it so hopefully it'll all go smoothly still now a job like that like as you were saying takes up a lot of your like real estate in the factory and stuff but also like does that kind of take most of your time production time like until it's done like are you guys kind of uh, like not stuck but are you doing that instead of doing new projects or have you found a way to like balance both yeah we have a we have a good balance so we're we actually work out of two two houses in Bonaire. so i live with my partner in one and then adrian and ann live in the other one that has like the main furniture shop and then i have like the uh my like turning studio here where i do all the bowls and everything and then prep the skateboards so like 
Adrian's shop right now has the that the full restaurant in it and like has some other stuff going on as well like we have some credenzas that we're working on and are able to move on but yeah well these big jobs definitely take up like the whole whole space at one shop for sure and then in my space i'm jumping between a bunch of different stuff like i'm trying out some new bowls and cleaning the skateboards and yeah just it's we we have enough space that we're able to keep all things moving along and can find something else to work on that it like if we do are at a point with a big glue up where it's taking up the whole shop like we have other things that we can work on in the different spaces that we're in so it it works pretty good from job to job like when when you do something as big as like a restaurant build out then do you want to shift back to like focusing on smaller things for the next little bit or do you just kind of like take it as it comes and like there's no no defined structure you just do what makes sense day to day we're we're trying to get better at our, our scheduling and get it a bit more structured and stuff where we're not like doing really like doing like this bar job is really big and a lot of uh like figuring stuff out to make it all work and how it's all going to connect and be installed and easy for them so like it is nice to go from like a really big technical job like when we do like a run of credenzas it's a very it's a lot of stressful builds because it is a lot of like wood or money and materials that you can screw up and time and just like all sorts of stuff so it's nice to do move into just like some mindless production like to do a bunch of credenzas and then move into doing crib boards or rolling pins or jewelry or whatever where it's a bit more just labor where you don't have to use your brain quite as hard that the work isn't as stressful if you make a mistake where like a mistake on a credenza like you're two weeks of labor gone where if you mess up a crib board it's a couple hours right um, I know you, uh, you touched on it a bit earlier, saying it was about 11 years ago that this was kind of in its inception. But uh, if you don't mind me asking, when when were you guys able to, um, like, call it your full-time job? Like, when were you able to quit whatever else you guys were working on and do this full-time? I think... It was nine years ago. I'm bad at the timelines, but yeah, it's been, I think nine, but we were doing like a ton of different work. Like we'd say yes to any sort of job that we could get at that point. And like, we were doing a bunch of like the, a lot more like reclaimed, like lumber table builds and stuff and all sorts of stuff where now we're a lot more focused on like, we build skateboard furniture. Right. Yeah. And so it, have you guys had to outsource boards like from, I mean, Calgary, I'm sure provides a, a decent amount. And then maybe now, now that the shop has moved out here, you're getting boards from here as well. But if you had to outsource from other spots, like if you kind of had like an open mail call, I guess it, it's super expensive, right? Who's going to pay to ship some boards, but how do you guys, like, what's your plan for obtaining more boards as you need them? Basically, it's just keep the keep the local shops happy. We've got our we've done it enough years now that we are like boards coming in and our usage of them is pretty balanced. But like with um like 
source and, and those guys are really good about saving them. And then Kevin with nine times is just like the best. And so basically like anything that shops need and they can just ask for whatever and we'll, we'll do it because we're, we need those boards. So like nine times and now with them in Edmonton as well, like they definitely are the, our top provider. Cause Kevin's really good about just making sure that any board that comes in, he's just like, all right, you, you want to recycle that or, so he's good about asking and like just through like just through nine times we would probably be okay but like we we do stuff with like shreds and cochrane and industry and red deer and then actually when i was out delivering that credenza in squamish uh michelle and annie social let me take a bunch back too so we yeah there's there's boards all over the place and we, we do have a pretty decent network going around like central Alberta. And like, I think uh, even Jason, like from nine times in Saskatoon, he'll bring boards back with him when he's back and forth too. So yeah, we have a, a good network and we're, yeah, but we're always trying, like we'll get messages on Instagram just being like, I've got a bunch of boards in my garage. Like, do you want to come get them? And I'll go pick them up. So it's, it, we're always have our feelers out for them, but yeah, it's definitely, one of the the top priorities is to keep ourselves in material. Cause like, yeah, it's, it's not just, can't just get it anywhere. That's good. I mean, that's great. A lot of people I've uh, talked to who, I mean, I've, I've never talked to anyone who's doing this niche of a product, but when I talk to people trying to upcycle things, the, the main problem is that for them to grow, they don't have enough of the stuff they're trying to upcycle, but it sounds yeah. like you guys are doing okay. Like, I mean, it also seems like you're pretty like busy doing a lot of great stuff. So maybe like, it's not really possible for you guys to do more jobs unless the staff and stuff grows. So you've got it like pretty dialed in. It's great to hear like a lot of, a lot of other people in similar situations would be a lot more like stressed. They would have much more demand than supplies. So it's, it's incredible that you guys have figured this all out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of our thing too is like growing slowly. Like we didn't go out and get like commercial space and five employees to try to just be pumping our stuff out. Cause it's yeah, there just isn't the supply for it. And then, yeah if you if we did that and then if there's a drop in demand too it just i think the like staying staying keeping our overhead low and just focusing on our stuff and not trying to be doing too much even though we are doing a ton but to yeah to not try to outgrow our the possibilities of what we can be doing and just yeah keeping like focusing on our stuff and having the quality and the craftsmanship that we're putting out where we do get those returning customers. We're able to maintain ourselves without uh, freaking out too much. It's, it's really cool to me too. One of the other things I love about what you guys are doing is that it's, you know, skateboarding is maybe, maybe not so much anymore, but it, it was niche right? Like only certain people really understood the culture and what you guys are, are doing is taking things like from a kind of misunderstood culture and 
applying it to a much bigger audience, I think. Like I when I I book an episode, I there are a few people I tell. I I try to keep them all like mainly under wraps. Like I don't really tease them or anything, but I did. Like I was excited when when you agreed when I reached out. So I had told a few people that I was doing this one. And these are people who have, I mean, besides like maybe me, they probably have no connection to any skateboarding lore at all. But they all were very familiar with what you guys make and what it's made out of. So it's like uh, these people have probably never thought about skateboarding or skateboards and stuff. But as soon as I said I was doing one with you, they knew about the bowls or the grid boards and they knew that they were made out of upcycled skateboards. So it's really cool to be able to introduce something like less accessible, I guess, and then make it more known to the public. Have you guys ever thought about that, or is it just like a, a coincidence? I mean, I don't know. I I think that uh, part of that is probably because we did so many Royal Bisons in Edmonton, because and that's like a lot of how we started selling our work was at doing the like local craft shows, like um, like Market Collective here in Calgary and like Royal right. Bison in Edmonton. So that is something that yeah, when you are doing the shows and explaining to the people like. Oh yeah, like this, like these colorful parts here is made out of recycled skateboards, and like the number of people whose like minds were just blown by that is pretty, pretty. It's a pretty consistent thing that happens at the shows. So I think that the, um, yeah, I don't know if it's like the the nicheness of skateboarding, like sort of transferring over, or yeah, I don't know. But I, I do think that like it is like just a really um, like skateboarding, I think, as a thing now has a pretty broad appeal. And then like to see the like what the skateboards actually look like, like that is a really interesting thing for a lot of people. And then some people like that do skateboard and like see it and like they're like, oh, that's like skateboards. And they like can like clock it right away, which is yeah. like, also, like fun to see. So. Have you guys uh, sort of grown out of doing these craft shows? I would assume, like, not that you're too big for them, kind of egotistically, just that, like, you guys are preoccupied with other big projects and you can't attend these shows? Yeah, it like, last year we did, like, at the peak, one one Christmas season we did... 11 shows in nine weeks i think which wow. was just like crazy yeah so, insane. like we but yeah i don't think we're gonna do any this year so yeah we, we have sort of moved away from it just because of how like with our social media like we do almost all of our work it goes through our online store now and right. if i'm if i like the amount of time that it takes to do a show is like a lot like with setup and teardown and everything it's like almost four full days where like that's a lot of a shop time that could be used and e even just to like make spend that time on social media like if i did that i would get more sales online than at a show even though like i love doing shows and i did all of them <laughs> so i would do like the whole weekend that was i'm the definitely the like forward-facing part of the company so 
I would do the shows and I like love them, especially Royal Bison in Edmonton. Like that's the the best show around. It's interesting, like on doing this podcast, I, I try to talk to anyone really, but anyone like doing anything creative and it's going to been like all, all Alberta people so far. Almost like a hundred percent of people have some sort of like tie back to Royal Bison, and mm-hmm. I I knew that you know like I, if I would have thought of it when I started these I would have known that, but I didn't really put two and two together. But then every episode where I ask someone kind of about their early days or like when was the first time they realized they could like monetize one of their creations. It's always like Rob Eisen or like market gets spoken quite highly of as well. It's cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Those two are just the, just great shows to do. And just, I like, I think the, just Royal Bison's like the intimacy of it, like staying small and just having like the people, like I did, I did so many, I don't, don't even know how many I did, but like just there's people that you would see every time come through that were just, and it's just like such an awesome supportive community there. So I, yeah, it's a great time. <laughs> Are you from Calgary, like born and raised? No, we grew up on acreage outside of Red Deer. So, and then we moved to Airdrie when I was 15. Hmm. And then I went to Vancouver for two years and did film school. And then I've been in Calgary ever since. Ah, so, so nothing with film. Like no. what, once you finished that, was that like, what, what were your aspirations with that? If you don't mind me asking. I mean, I think it, it was just from skating and filming skating. So I think that that's where a lot of people who get into film have that, like that connection that is just, pretty second nature just because if you're skating you want to film it and yeah. the camera culture and it's pretty huge so i think yeah i think the my time in vancouver i think i just went too too early like i was 19 when i went and then just didn't really have the means or ambition to get too far into the actual industry thereafter so came back and got a trade which i, I don't think is an uncommon story but it's um, but it really like the film school definitely helped with the social media. So it's, it all worked out. Yeah. You know what I, every episode I, I get kind of the conversation steers towards social media. And then I have a couple of questions better than I always end up apologizing to the guests in the audience and saying, we're going to talk about social media, but like, sorry, you know, we have to. And again, I am going to ask you about it, and I am sorry, but I, I feel I have to. Did, like, the videos, like, the, the process videos that you put out, like, of how you guys make everything are, like, oh, I'm not even trying to flatter you. I think they're one of the, the easiest to watch reels ever like they do i watch every single one of them all the way through maybe even repeat it like it's just so something about it is really enticing did you i mean you couldn't have known that it was gonna go that way because 11 years ago reels didn't exist but then fast forward to now it's like what you guys are doing 
is super unique on its own, but then I feel like the promoting it on social media is also very unique. Like you just, I mean, either you knew what was going to happen or you got super lucky with it, but like how, how do you feel about like each time you post a video, do you just know it's going to be like that much of a boost to the company because of how oh. many people are going to tune in. I wish. <laughs> no, it's it's definitely a numbers game with it cuz you just have to keep doing it cuz there's like stuff that I've like spent a bunch of time on and like think like oh this one's awesome it's going to be so good and then it just bombs but then there's other ones that I'm like oh whatever like I have like this one half done I'll just like finish it quickly and then put it up and then that's the one that goes viral and blows it like blows us up for three months so it's it is just such like a weird weird thing but it like basically what i'm doing is like what i liked and like when i was in high school making little edits in the computer lab of just skating and it's like you just pick a song you like and then you put a like put the little sequence together and so i'm still just like as far as like the film uh or yeah the film school background like that's I'm still just doing like what I did before even before I went to film school of just like doing little edits with songs I like so it that's good but the it's it is just such a crapshoot with with the uh reels and everything of like which one's gonna do good and you so you just have to be sort of have a bit of intention with like yeah filming the process and trying to like make it interesting and yeah not just be repeating the same thing all the time which can be hard because we do so much production so half the year we are making stuff that we have made for the last five years and have done multiple videos of already so it's it is just uh it's a fickle thing but it's it's definitely worth it for us but yeah working with skateboards is a really interesting medium so i think it does have a little bit of a leg up there too so it's uh it's interesting like a lot of people who i do kind of ask that same line of questioning to have like more of a almost negative answer you know they're like we we just want to make our thing and then we kind of feel like we have to make reels and it becomes like almost a another job on top of like creating one thing and then filming the process and editing that is a different thing but it seems like you I mean it works great for you guys and it seems like more of a like positive than negative right like you you must not dread making these videos you're almost like happy to make them it's really just you're documenting what you'd be doing anyway yeah yeah it's it's a bit of both like sometimes i'm like yeah like really like happy to be making them and it, it feels good but yeah when I'm, I'm in production mode on crib boards and stuff and trying to like make content with that it can be a little bit taxing but i yeah i i like doing the edits and making the videos and stuff but i can i definitely sympathize with people who don't want to be doing that <laughs> at all and it it's if you're in something that's is harder to make interesting in videos, like it's, it, I could see that being really annoying. Yeah, I guess. I mean, you're you guys are, are super lucky because just watching what you guys are doing, at least to me, is is very watchable content, right? So, 
I think you're totally right of it. Someone who's doing something that's way less less pleasing to watch and less pleasing to make, then it's gonna like immediately become less, more of a job and less of a like kind of bonus to mm. do it. Do you you film them yourselves or do you have like a maybe not like a Hollywood film crew, but do you have people like helping out with that because i've noticed you always have like different angles and you know it's more than just self-filming unless you're very good at it um well for me unless like when i'm doing the turning like i just film myself because adrian's in the other shop but when we're doing like the bigger furniture pieces i'll be over there filming so most of the stuff that you'll see in my shop is all just like on a tripod and yeah we're like i don't I have a pretty, I mean, it is a little bit of money in camera gear, but not like, not a ton. It's very, uh, I have like the the cheapest new mirrorless Canon and like a bunch of just manual lenses. So nothing too crazy in our setup, but it's a, and uh, yeah, no, 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 we don't have anyone coming in to film specifically, but yeah, I just meant like, do you have like three friends with gimbals and stuff like <laughs> running around? Or that—that's even cooler. I I love the videos, and uh, to know that there's like less production—not value, but like less less uh, people, I guess, like involved in the process makes it like all that much kind of cooler and and impressive to me. Mm. Oh, well, thanks. Well, yeah, it's I don't I don't know. It's fun to just be like do it most of the time and but yeah, it can be a little bit annoying with your production schedules and stuff, but and also just trying to like be informative, but like we we definitely don't show our entire processes cuz we're we keep some of it secret. <laughs> yeah. I guess that that sort of brings up another question I have. Do you, uh, I mean, no, no specific, unless you want to call someone up, but do you uh, see any like copy, copycats of, of what you guys are up to? Because I feel just by time stamping it, you would have been very early on, like if not pioneers of all of this, and now just. I assume there's people who would even like watch your reels and then think like we we could do this too. So do you see any like direct copy cats of, of what you guys are up to? Uh yeah, it definitely happens, but it's like and I mean we're not like doing anything entirely original. Like it's all right. like woodworking hat like it's all it's all been done, but it's I think there's certain stuff that you, we do see that's like annoying and like for us there's some stuff that like the bulls i think have been people go pretty hard on but that's like that's the thing that's when like i think our bull videos have probably like on all the different things like probably over like a hundred million views so that one's sort of out there we're not we can't really claim that too hard but i think like um yeah we like there's another guy like iris skateboards out of san francisco Right. his his glue up process i think has been people went pretty hard on where he has like a big basically like how you would press a skateboard but he 
he does it really like specifically with like matching board shapes and stuff. So his, his process, I think got cannibalized pretty hard, but yeah, not gonna, I don't know, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, it's all, there's nothing, nothing too new out there, but it, yeah, we definitely do see it. And like, we watch what everyone's doing. So try to keep our own stuff going, but like we, our process is so specific and totally different than what, like a lot of people are doing so that we're not too worried. And like it for the first, like, yeah, six years, the like 12 or 15 people that were doing it all sort of had their own sort of paths that they were taking with the material and doing unique stuff. And then the more that it gets like filtered and shown and changed and stuff that like a lot of like more people getting into it, the processes get a bit more like cannibalized from what people are doing, but it's, yeah that's that is another the uh like good or like good slash bad thing with the social media is that you do definitely see a lot more copying but that's whatever i mean that very very uh healthy response you know a lot of artists that i talk to even maybe me included at times will get more possessive over what they're doing and they're not like really willing to just admit like well we didn't invent this you know we're we're just it's almost like we're we're perfecting it in our way but it existed before so it's cool for you to kind of answer that way because that isn't isn't maybe the the most artistic answer to that question i i i have friends that would answer that way and i have lots of friends that wouldn't answer that way so that's commendable I mean, it's like, we're not, yeah, we definitely, like, it definitely happens and we see it, but we're not going to go out and call anyone out and get fired yeah. up about it. And we'll, like, we'll just use it as like more motivation to be like, all right, well, they're copying us on that. Well, we're going to do this now. That's even better and harder and just like get, push ourselves further. So that's definitely a good like motivator to innovate because like the, yeah, it, if you just like keep doing your the same thing and thinking that you're gonna not gonna get copied and that it, that's gonna just keep you going like you're yeah and that, like but yeah it's also us like maintaining that like we're we're just almost okay at this like we're like the like once you we're so far into it now that like and you seeing the levels of how good you can be at it like we're still just like okay we're just just getting this figured out so we're still still really motivated to keep doing better. So we're not the people if people are copying the stuff that we did a couple of years ago, we're not that worried about it because the stuff that we have like coming up is gonna be even more impressive and things. So it's yeah. We, and yeah, there's definitely been times where we get like super mad about it, but it's on the on the whole, it's like you can't can't dwell on it. Just use it as motivation to do better. Right. And you know what? Like you probably won't say it, so I'll I'll say it for you. I, I feel that what you guys are doing isn't the easiest thing to emulate. You know, like if if someone sees someone wearing an outfit or something online and they want to copy that outfit, pretty easy to go out and find the same clothing and put it together, but it's a whole other level to think someone is just gonna watch one of your videos and then all of a sudden be able to like you know be like a a, a very like educated woodworker working with 
this like niche type of word and you know like i i would think that what you guys are doing is not easily copied no well and like the like firstly like the skateboards are hard to get your you can't just get your hands on them like you kind of have to be a skateboarder yeah have the connections to get it which does like keep it uh a, a little bit like closer in the group which is like great to see too right. but like um yeah and i think like a lot of woodworking like there is like a lot of creativity in it but there are definitely people whose like intentions with woodworking is to like build the thing that they've seen and just to to actually just to build it they don't want to create something new with their woodworking which i think is uh like it's and it's just sort of like how uh it is and like the people that are sort of interested in it so like when you do see like like the epoxy tables which you i don't know if you know those but like it's is something that you can just go out and buy the kit and some slabs and make it and you like get to make the thing which is like like totally fine but i think that our i don't know if i'm talking too much shit right now but <laughs> no no def definitely uh say how you feel i love to the platform that type of stuff but it's also i mean it's obviously good to watch out for any animosity and not call people up but i mean a little little controversy is always again i feel <laughs> sorry for the interruption i just want to quickly shout out another sponsor of the podcast stratus film labs anything film related the fine people at Stratus have you covered. They can develop it all, true black and white, color C41, and medium format. With a convenient, open 24 hours a day Dropbox, and quick turnaround times, I can't speak highly enough of them. Anything you need to know can be found at stratusjournal.com. You can also find them under the same name on all relevant social media platforms. Let's get back to the episode. I hope you're enjoying it so far. Do yeah. you you get to skateboard anymore at all, or are you too busy working with them to use them for that? I want to. I I try to get out. I yeah, it's really. I do find it hard to prioritize it, especially when doing like the the really like cleaning boards right now that I'm doing is really hard on the body. So by the time I'm done, the amount that I want to do in a day, it's kind of hard to get my body back into the idea of going skating so it's right. i do have the intention to and try to get out but it is definitely i don't prioritize it as much as i should which then like i yeah as much as i should just for how much i love skateboarding and like i i keep up with it and yeah follow all the stuff so it's yeah i still love it and want to want to go more but it's definitely tough with the the workload at least you get to, to be involved in a different yeah. way. You know, a lot of people end up like their their hobbies and their passions when they're younger kind of fall by the wayside because they're f focused on a job or a family or whatever. And it, you know, for, the, for most cases, it has nothing really to do with the passion at all you at least get to be like very involved with skaters. You still get to hang out at the skate shop just in a different capacity. Mm -hmm. 
yeah it's a it's a a, a pretty good deal <laughs> i don't yeah yeah having like yeah it is something that like as soon as i it got it, it's like hooks in us we've been pretty committed to it so it is really nice to be able to see it and like to yeah see all the boards and all the stuff that's yeah it's it's great <laughs> When you uh, when you reference cleaning boards, what uh, what exactly goes into that? Like without telling any secret, is that oh. like the videos I've seen with the the grip tape being pulled off the boards? No, the grip tape the grip tape is easy. You just put them out in the sun and clamp like for twenty like direct sunlight, twenty five degrees. Clamp it to a bench and with like a a broken uh, putty knife. That you put an edge on you can like yeah boards are like the grip tape is easy it's the step after so like getting the paint and the gunk from the grip tape off so like if you know like the yellow handle paint scraper like the richard one yeah yeah like i basically have six of those that i have a, a i sharpen a convex curve into the 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 blade so that i can get into the concave and then it's basically I scrape the like 90% of the paint off with that. And then I sand the, the rest of it off. So that is, yeah, it's probably like three or four minutes of board to do that. If I'm going hard. What, what's your record? Like what's the most boards you've cleaned in a day? I think I've done 60 or 70 in a day, which is like, but that's, it sucks. <laughs> You like that? You don't try to hit that every day, or no, every day right, you do it. No, right now I'm doing uh like twenty a day, and then I'm working on some other bowls, so I'm able to sort of jump between my my different jobs in my shop. Just yeah, make make a really big mess, but it's still twenty. Like it, it sounds like two is a lot. Like twenty <laughs> is, is a lot. Seventy is insane. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, I think my record, I don't know. Like, but yeah, like peeling grip tape, I think I've done like 150 in a day. That That's equally insane. That was yeah. like, how, how stoked were you when you realized the video of the grip tape being like automatically peeled off? Like once you figured out that could be a real in itself, did it, it like how well did you sleep that night? Oh, I um I've done that one like two or three times now. So I did the um like I don't yeah, I don't do it that way. That way it takes longer than just peeling. <laughs> oh just, you're doing the peeling by hand. I peel by hand. No, I don't do the automatic one. That's like, that's just for the gram. That's, it's not, not fake, but it's not how I actually do it. Like, because it, like, there were the amount of time to like attach the, the grip tape to the, that dowel. Like, yeah, I could have like, I could do like four boards in that time. Oh, yeah. Here, like, I, I thought this whole time I've been thinking about that video. Because oh. I the those are my favorite ones actually. I I watch them over and over again and then I know 
one of them like went really went off red and like Beatrice Jamone like reposted it. Yeah, I think yeah. that must have been a good boost. Yeah, I was stoked on that. <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, that's like not how I actually do it. It 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 works, but like I don't know a lot of a lot of the guys who do it use a heat gun and a dowel and they just roll it off on the dowel by hand, which is so much harder than just peeling it. Like if you just yeah, if you want to peel your grip tape, just put your board in the sun for twenty minutes, clamp it down, and just grip it and peel like it. Like I can do like probably 90% of boards in like under 45 seconds that way. And it like, it all depends on the grip tape and the board. Like it's, yeah, there's a whole, a whole thing of different conditions that uh, change, like how easy a board is going to like peel. But yeah, most combinations like under a minute, no problem. Cool. I had no idea. Sorry, I, I made you uh, expose your your secret here. I no, I, I was I, thinking I, that they were all that way. No, no. I said it in the on the because I did another post that showed how we actually do it and said like this is the best. This is the actual best way. <laughs> uh, okay. So then, like, when was that like entirely just? for a real like you just thought it would look interesting so you showed it that way yeah it it does the job like that like it's i think that one's almost at two million views on instagram which is like it's fine but like you don't like that a video like that going doesn't do like doesn't get you as much like sales or follows as like if it was like an actual build so it's yeah. it is just like it's fun to do. Do you uh do you remember uh what was the very first item you made? Like wh when you thought of of this like 11 years ago, do you remember the very first thing you tried? I don't remember what the like the very first thing was, but like we did like incense burners where like where like where the nose is like and just drilled a little hole so because it has that like, sort of natural shape for that and then like we did little trays and like it was basically like cutting out shapes like we did yeah. the like the paddle ball with like the ball on the string like so yeah like our first stuff was very very basic and like yeah for a long time like we thought that like you could only really like you could only match the concave from one like the same board so we were trying to figure out like what can we make that's like from one board section so we made these little trays that were like three layers of that center like stacked up with like the the center carved out of it and stuff but then we um the first project that we did where we figured out like oh this is how you combine the other boards and glue them up into to make larger material and it was like the baseball bat so and that was within the first year that we like tried that and figured that out. And then, yeah, just been going since then. I'm backtracking a little bit. I have this question in my head and I dropped it and now I have it back. Um, I know like skaters love to debate Bob or Jessup. 
what's a, what's your opinion on like someone who has to peel this grip tape? Is one of them like stickier, or do you have no idea what's what? Like by the time oh, you no, I can it. tell. <laughs> mob mob peels really good. Mob is the my favorite, or actually like, um, no, Grizzly is the easiest to peel. Um, shake junk is either really easy or really hard. And it does, it'll do the same thing as Jessup where Jessup, the adhesive, um, will separate. Like there's a, like Jessup, I think is like two layers where there's like the abrasive and the adhesive and they'll separate when you peel them. That's really, really annoying, but it, it, it only happens sometimes, but the, the worst of the worst is like clear grip. Cause it, it, I don't think it like heats up the same way as the, the black grip does. And then it doesn't come like, it's a whole different thing. and doesn't come off like at all good. So you have to like scrape it off in like strips rather than a big peel. So. No, I guess like almost every board would be kind of an isolated incident, right? Cause it depends like when it was gripped or what weather it was gripped in, what like temperature it was stored at. All, all yeah. these things must like really affect the end product or the peeling product. Yeah, for sure. It then like, yeah, there's definitely different, like if people do like their custom grip tape jobs and stuff um, that can make it a bit more of a pain too. But yeah, there it's every board is going to be a little bit different, but the most of them are sort of in a, in a sort of couple different brackets. Although there's, one time like i said you know if you grip a board in the winter and it's really cold like the, the adhesive won't stick yeah so kevin at nine times for a bunch of his boards there he would cut his corner off his grip tape and sand the top of his board a bit before to give it a bit more adhesion so you're not just putting the grip tape on the lacquer and right. those boards were just a nightmare so <laughs> don't don't do that but if you want your board to stick in the winter that might be a trick have uh any like any big board companies kind of got wind of what you're up to like you and i would think like uh, bigger companies would kind of send you like warp boards or if they had like a recycling program is that in the works at all or no um we've done some stuff like i think um like ultimate had sent us out some stuff and yeah we've We've done a little bit of stuff like that, but nothing like too crazy. Like, I'm like not with any big board companies. We had um, one, who was it? It was like from board riders. And I think they had, they reached out and were like, hey, we have like four C cans of like, I think it was like 40,000 boards or something they want needed to get rid of and asked if we could figure something out for that and i was like well that and i think it was but they were i think they were cease and desist graphics but for oh Star i thought it was old boards i was thinking like that's nice but why would you ever spend the time and money to fill four c cans with old boards but yeah okay yeah. if they're boards they can sell well then i i think they were new completes for like kids that just i think they got a season assist from star wars i don't know i might just i don't know if i should be talking about that either but it was a whole a couple emails back and forth and it was just kind of like no that's not quite what we want to be doing 
Well, it would it be flattering to think those people are listening, but they they probably aren't. <laughs> uh, yeah. So what do you uh you have any ideas for your next like big project once you guys are done with this restaurant build out? Like has anyone kind of reached out and or I guess double question, do you anticipate like after after you do this one restaurant, you know, because people are always in the food industry, like going to the restaurants and it's weird to me, but they all kind of like copy each other and they, they call it research. So I wonder if any other restaurants are going to like, like if you're going to be kind of sought after once this build out is public. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. That'd be all right. But like, we're like, Adrian's booked out with projects until pretty much the new year right now. So we, we have, um, a couple big dining tables that we're going to be doing that we're pretty stoked on. And then like one that's going to have like leaf, uh, like, uh, extendable leaves in it and stuff that will be like a totally new pattern too, that we haven't done before. Cool. So we have a bunch of, a bunch of stuff that we have on the books already, but we don't have any like really massive, massive jobs coming up that are like big multiple part things or anything. But I'm sure we'll we'll see if anything comes from the the restaurant, and then um, yeah, I don't know. We're just yeah trying to catch up on some of our ideas and stuff that we want to try out. But it's it's really tough with yeah the keeping the the furniture line uh, commissions going, and then keeping all the products in stock. So we only have a couple like a month or two a year that we do get to try out new stuff. So we'll we'll see what what thing we get to try next have uh have celebrities like caught on to this yet like have the when are you guys gonna like design a table for drake <laughs> i don't know we'll, we'll see i mean we i'm just trying to think who's if we've done anything for people um like anthony van england's mom like ave he she got him some stuff and actually sent us a bunch of fa boards so that's that's one but it's like it's not even like Aver dill that reached out it was abe's mom which was still tight like we got a photo of with that when she gave for um, some reason that's like cooler to me even like it, abe is the goat of course but for yeah. it to go beyond him that that's kind of like more endearing yeah it's that one was pretty pretty awesome and yeah getting getting the like a bunch of fa boards from them was really cool too so that one was good um like i guess like when we because like our credenza won like the 2020 etsy design awards and that was like judged by drew barrymore but i think that's incredible congrats yeah that that was a big a big jump for us that we were able to like really uh like speed through some business developments with that uh award and it that was a pretty crazy six months after of just only making those and upgrading the shop so that we could make them faster and better so do you know like was that a stepping stone to this restaurant reaching out to you or do you know that's separate I don't know how they found us. I think they might have actually found us through TikTok, which is weird. 
I mean, not that weird. That's how everyone finds out about everything these days. I I hate it, but I find out a lot of stuff on there too, and so that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, and it, it it's yeah, it is really. We do have all the different like different spaces that people find us because like we are like we're not as heavily on our Etsy as we were, but like we still get a ton of orders through there and have still do like a couple pieces of furniture through, through Etsy just from having won that award too. So it's a, it is pretty wild to think of all the different ways that people can find our stuff. So. What I guess that, that brings up the question of before, I mean, 11 years ago, even like Instagram and stuff would have been, in its infancy so how are you first going about like promoting this type of stuff like was it the royal bison and market yeah market collective was we did like for the first three years it was like we only did one every year because that's how much we were able to like make in the time to be ready for it so yeah we did uh, yeah just a lot of markets during those first years and then just sort of whatever work we could get where a lot of that earlier work was just more of the like reclaimed stuff where it's a big like farm boards and uh stuff like that rather than the the skateboard stuff because we were able to you can get a lot of that and build actual furniture out of it at that point so that was like those those early days too so it was mainly market collective and bison so for yeah probably the first four or five years and then we yeah that just got the instagram going and then i think 2018 16 i don't know one of those years well somebody i had done a couple of videos of the bowl process and then someone post someone took those videos made a, a gif of it and posted it on reddit and it hit the front page and that was like the first time our our stuff like really blew up and that was such a cool time. Like, I know uh, I can think of one of our stories and other people's where, like, something of yours makes its way to Reddit, and then you're, like, all of a sudden way leveled up just off that Reddit post. I don't know if it happens that way anymore. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I I. Yeah, I think Reddit's going through a thing right now, too. I was, like, there. we were a little bit slow, and I was like, all right, I got to, like, check out these different platforms and try to go and post on Reddit. But I, it's too much. It's a whole – too many platforms. Yeah, I have, I have some friends that swear by Reddit, and then based on their advice, I've looked into it and thought, like, this could be a good – like, maybe an avenue to advertise our episodes and stuff and i it's too confusing i like i know everyone likes it because it's simple but it looks like anything but simple to me maybe i just don't know like i haven't really tried you know everyone's like get on there and i'll open it up and then almost immediately be like nah don't need another another avenue for this but i guess everyone needs the avenues like no matter what mm-hmm. yeah no i i definitely get that with on reddit and stuff with like all the karmas and up points and all the other stuff i'm just like i i don't know i don't know if i need to commit more time to this like i'm already on my phone so much with just instagram and tiktok that it's like i don't need 
I don't need another thing, which again here with now with threads, like what do we do with that? You gotta well, figure out a yeah, new marketing well, approach. <laughs> what what do you think of that whole thing? I I love it. And actually it's funny because I know we we followed each other on there and I was actually hoping to work it into this conversation because I I have a story that like no one will ever really hear because there's no point in telling it outside of this situation. But when Twitter was very first invented, like I think day one of Twitter, I somehow found out about it and I made an account <laughs> and then thought like I was, I don't know exactly what number for sure. I was like, if there was a way to fact check this, you could. I I fully swear I was one of the first public users on Twitter. <laughs> I didn't get it and I deleted it. And it's it's one of my biggest regrets. I feel like even just posting the dumbest stuff, I could have been like famous by now. Like if I was tweeting for the past 16 years, something would have happened. And all along, I, I've remembered that and thought, like, I I passed on that. I just, I never got into it. I decided kind of recently that I was going to get into it. And then that was kind of the implosion of it. But now I feel that Threads is like a reset. So I'm, like, really, really hoping it works. I don't I just feel like I probably am more to say than I have to show. So a text-based app has always made more sense to me, even though I haven't ever put that to use. You, What do you think? Like, how is it going to be trying to, like, I feel, I mean, you guys probably have a ton of stuff to say, but it, it seems like it, it's better for you to show people the process than maybe describe the process. So is that going to factor into when you're thinking about how to use something like that? Or are you just not thinking about it? I don't know. I think I'll get something going on there, but I, I'm not sure just yet what it'll be. And it'll probably just still be pictures, but maybe like, I think that the, the thing about it, of like just adding another platform to the social media thing is like, this one's good because it's, you already have a following. You, you don't have to start at zero and, yeah. try to get reconnected with everyone it's just like that straight transferable thing and i think that's why it's it'll probably work and yeah i'm sure i'll figure out how i want to go about it here soon but it's yeah still just like another platform but i, I i'm not like as negatively thinking about it as other ones so <laughs> we'll see we'll see how it goes because it's yeah it's like what they day, day four yeah yeah it seems like it's been around forever. Maybe I just wasted like so much time on it, day one yeah. and two. And it's it was just like uh the wild west of memes and like the dumbest stuff. But I, I feel people are gonna quickly kind of refine their approach. Like even I just started immediately saying the the dumbest stuff on there. And it's all like pretty cringe and I'm already thinking like, okay, once in another week or two when they like refine this, I'm going to have to like start being more like serious about what I put on here. But for now, it's just 
so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it's it is definitely interesting to see and to get the like everything figured out. But yeah, I think the that straight transfer of followers and stuff, I think, is gonna definitely help it be an actual thing. Well, and I mean, I I've been reading much stuff about it too. I I feel that I mean they made. A, a decent product so they're in a good spot to kind of like take over from twitter but also like elon musk pretty much handed it to them by like running twitter into the ground right so it was like did they defeat him or did he like defeat himself and they just happened to be ready for it yeah it's i don't know definitely nice to see but yeah the the whole thing of everyone involved isn't i'm not the biggest fan of but i think yeah. it's <laughs> it's definitely nice to see the something coming in to fill the space that not that i yeah i didn't use twitter that much but to see the that people did have there was value in it for certain people and to see something else come in to take the place that's not totally toxic is nice i mean as much as yeah meta isn't totally toxic but it's better than elon musk which yeah is that's the the other funny thing like what i never thought the whole world was gonna kind of like cheer for mark zuckerberg but i guess like against elon yeah he is maybe the lesser of both evils but still like very evil i yeah. i just want to see them cage match <laughs> and like i don't i don't like fights at all really but i i would like them to fight mm -hmm. yeah did weren't they supposed to i yeah, don't know yeah that's the hilarious thing everyone's saying like this is all all a marketing ploy just so they can like have the most streamed pay-per-view fight and like they're probably like both laughing together about like promoting this fight but yeah i think i think one of them proposed it and the other one said yes and like it it seems like somewhat legit i think uh i don't even know his name but uh he's a complete fool but the guy who runs ufc is like saying it's going to happen and he's like making videos about like the contracts and stuff so it could be funny yeah i yeah that's such a weird weird time that's i don't think that that needs to happen why would you do anything if you had that much money i know that's... um yeah like why why did other than give it away but yeah like geez it's they're wild i don't know yeah, think of, think of all the boards they could buy with that money and donate them to you guys. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, that's one or two for sure. Yeah, damn. I I saw a thing the other day that uh, it was like the the cost of all the EU football teams, and Elon Musk for what he paid for Twitter could have bought all of football like soccer and still had money left over instead of buying an app that he just like nose dove into the ground but brutal what do you uh, do like you were saying you heat put boards in the sun like 25 degrees 
What do you do in the winter? Try to have everything degripped before the winter so that in the winter we're just stockpiling. But if we we've done it a couple of times and I have like a, a heater in my shop, like a, a, a gas heater right. that I'll put and it's on like the, the roof. And in my shop, my roof is low. So I, I just put the boards on top of a ladder right in front of the blower. Because, yeah, that everyone, the the heat gun or hair dryer, it's like that's so it's such a bad way to do it because you can only heat up just like a small section of the board at a time. Like a, 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 a more even heat makes it so much easier than to try to heat individual sections of the board as you're going down it. Like, so yeah, the, the main thing that we do is to just like, before the winter hits, we have all the boards that we have the grip tapes already off them. So, so that we don't have to do it in the winter. And how, how many years did it take for you guys to figure out that was the best way? to do it like it sounds like you would have probably tried every conceivable way to take the grip up before you like refine it and then we're settled yeah i think i'm probably on yeah six or seven years of it like just this is how we do it and even we're probably only like four or five into just like the way that like now we we fully clean the board like so that it's ready to glue up and go into projects before we make before we cut them up at all just because we found that like when we would if you peel the grip tape and then cut up the board immediately and then try to clean the board afterwards like it's so much harder and like you you can round over corners to make the the glue ups won't work as well so you'll like waste material that way so yeah the the full process like right now is to just like do get it all done at the start so that your the material is like ready and perfect to go into like the projects because if you like if you mess up that like that cleaning step like you can ruin a project way down the line and just yeah it'll be had a couple of things where like if yeah you don't clean your if you don't clean your board material or for a bowl or something and your glue joints bad like that thing will blow up on the lathe so it's it's really really interesting. I I love thinking about how like over the years you've refined the process and like at the beginning compared to now, how much excess was probably thrown away that now you've learned how to like use every single inch of every board. Yeah, yeah. Like there's like uh if we have a full board that's like not that doesn't have like that's just cracked and not like snapped we have a full way that we like we butcher it so we cut it up into eight parts that go into the different like the bowls or the art or the the furniture veneer and then the um like even like all the little like offcuts from glue ups and stuff I collect all like from like when I cut my bowls round, I have those corner offcuts. Like I shape those into blocks that we make into like our little stacking blocks that we have. And then like I'm also gonna make some uh like take all of those pieces and relaminate those into more blocks to make like other uh like a meta material veneer that I'm working on. So there's yeah, we, we've got it so dialed and like so much of that, like figuring out this process was like just when we were cutting up boards, saving all those offcuts and like 
think like just putting them in bins and like sort of like thinking on them for a while. And then like one day you'll be working and be like, oh, this is exactly what like that's going to be and figure that out. So it's yeah, definitely a, a, a continuation of refinement of it. And I'm still like making little tweaks here and there on on how we do the stuff. So. Yeah, I assume like kind of forever you'll be like refining and, and polishing all these like tactics. Like even if you got something down, there's still like that one thing you could do differently just to like really refine the whole process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll I'll let you get back to your day right away, but I just want to leave on a, a real positive note. So my like jokes about making things for Drake and Instagram followers and stuff are all well and good, but I want to know like, have you made stuff for like friends and family and just knowing things that you've made are in like really good homes of, of people you really admire? Like that must feel great too right if if that has happened yeah like there's there's definitely pieces that we do that um like the the guy that we brought like that piece out to uh in squamish right. and that he just continues to buy our stuff and like now that yeah we've been at it for the 10 years we have a bunch of people that um keep buying our stuff which is really nice to see because we do so much of it online that we're able to see like returning customers and stuff and like um uh like do you know jeff mcfetridge like the artist oh yeah yeah the name is is quite familiar yeah like his mom has bought a bunch of our stuff and like we've done like we do the 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 rainbow pride bowls every yeah. june june and um, like she's bought a couple of those. So she has like a full set of those. And yeah, so just it's there's definitely like stuff that when or like if we do a custom piece that we like work really well with the client and go through and they get exactly what they want and they are really happy with it. Those are always good. But that and then, yeah, the returning customers who like or like people that have like seen us at market collective for years. And then they've been like, Oh, I've, I've wanted a table for so long. And then they end up do getting it. So uh, yeah, doing stuff for people that have like been following us for so long and then end up do getting like the bigger pieces from us after having like a rolling pin for years or like the crib board is, is always really nice to sort of see like having making like having people that have been watching our like journey and then like supporting us through it is is always nice too you guys uh really figured out how to get like the mom market cornered yeah moms like moms love our work and that like when we're at the markets like that's we've always said that like the the fun moms are our 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 client base for sure <laughs> Does uh this this client in Squamish are they just like an avid collector or like what are they doing with all of it? Yeah, they just really like it and yeah, they're just uh the have found us and have yeah just bought a bunch of all the stuff and it just worked out the one time that I was yeah sort of going on a little vacation and ended up bringing like was able to bring out their their credenza for them so it just uh yeah it worked out and then yeah you get to to meet your client and they just 
keep supporting you. So it's it's really nice. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, like a sale is great. I would say like a sale, kind of the financial support helps any anything keep existing. But being able to like interact and kind of know your customer by name and like you're saying, like go and drop it off personally. That's kind of an added touch. Like the product you guys are making is great, but then the service, maybe not to everyone, but the service to this person would be so next level. It it doesn't surprise me that they're a return return customer of, of you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it like it would be nice to be able to drive all the pieces out and and hand deliver them, but the and just because mark or shipping is such a can be so annoying and yeah. stressful, but yeah, if we had the time, we definitely would. And there are some furniture makers who like do it that way, where they just don't deal with shipping and just deliver all their own stuff. So and just make road trips out of it with their family, which would be nice to do maybe later, but we'll, we'll see. But we do a fair bit of local stuff, so it is it is always nice to be able to, yeah, handle over stuff. Yeah, totally. Well, thank you very much. That was, uh, I mean, I learned a lot. Hopefully people listening did too. Super interesting to, to kind of hear straight from the horse's mouth how all this works. Before, before we hop off, do you want to let people know, like, where they can find you and and your stuff on all the social media we complained about earlier (laughs) i mean just the instagram adrian martinez is the the handle and then just there's the wing tree for everything else there so that's just the easiest but yeah and instagram's where we're most active so cool i'll uh, i'll make sure to to link all that if i need any advice on that i'll uh i'll reach out to you after but <laughs> yeah, yeah thank you very much enjoy the rest of the saturday yeah and you too good luck yeah. in the future i i don't think you need it but i'll extend it either way thank you and yeah thanks for having me i was i was yeah had been seeing my friends posting that they're on this podcast and i was like oh i wonder wonder if i'll get to do it so i'm stoked to do it <laughs> yeah that's you know that's incredible whenever i reach out to someone who i've kind of had in mind for a while and then to hear them say like they had listened to such and such episodes or a friend of theirs was on it that's like probably one of the coolest feelings to me like doing all this like beyond all the analytics and stuff just knowing like one person listened to one person's episode. I I really like that feedback. So thank you for listening before being a guest. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Thanks for doing it. It's it's a, a really good show. I like it. Awesome. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of the day. Yeah, you do. See, See you later.